Welcome to Your American Heritage with your host, Ed Bondarenka. Our goal is to provide a platform for a discussion of pro-life, pro-Christian, and pro-American constitutional principles in the light of current and historical events. America, bless God. Good afternoon and welcome to Your American Heritage, where we talk about the two things, you know, we've said it before, you're not supposed to talk about polite company, religion and politics. My name is Ed Bondarenka and I'm not your normal fluffy insurrectionist. And I'll be your host today. My pronouns are he and him. And thank you for flying with us today. We expect to arrive at our destination on time. Please fasten your seatbelts and stow any leftist ideas in the trash bin of history. The show is produced by Derek Stone, the hardest working man in radio. Also the host of Stone Cold Sports, Sundays, noon 30, right after my friend Sean Todd, the rock and rev on the intersection. You know, it's not your normal fluffy Christian show. So listen to both of them on Sunday after church. So uh, make sure, okay, Make sure you get the podcasts and share them with your friends. They can be gotten at whamradio.com. You can subscribe at uh, Google Podcasts or Spotify. You know, put a lot of effort into these shows. Uh, you know, I try to make them informative and entertaining. I may fail at the last, but I know I do well at the former. And I want to squeeze every last drop of value from them. So do me a favor. Do yourself a favor. Do your friends a favor and share these with your friends. Then the tax write-off gets bigger. You know, the more I can amortize this across more friends, you know, I think. I mean, I'll work that way. Let's open in prayer. Father, this nation desperately needs your help. Please deliver this nation from the despicable and illegitimate Biden administration. An administration that seeded itself through corruption and fraud. An administration that seeks to debase this nation that was founded on principles founded in your word. An administration bent on enslaving those you have set free. Please deliver us from the corrupt and power-mad Whitmer administration. Please open the eyes of understanding of the populace to those principles in your word, the Bible. Will you please lead us and guide us into righteousness and wisdom? Give us the strength and the courage to do what needs to be done. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So those are my opinions. Those are not necessarily the opinions of my guest or Derek or the station, as said earlier. It's day 150 of the coup, okay? It's day 150 of the coup. So our job is to resist, support each other, and push back their agenda. And we're going to talk about ways we can do that later. We're supposed to encourage each other. So I'm here to encourage you. Pride Month's coming to a close, thankfully. And to top it off, we're celebrating George Floyd Day, a new federal holiday. Oh, pardon me, it's Juneteenth. It's the day we celebrate the last slaves in America being set free after the Republicans and the Union Army abolished slavery in the United States. The day we celebrate word finally getting to those last slaves in Texas who were kept in chains by their Democratic Party member slave masters who withheld the news of their emancipation and the end of the war. The end of the war was on April 9th, 1865. So why we're not celebrating April 10th, I don't know. But no, we're celebrating Juneteenth, where, like I said, the Democratic Party slave owners kept the slaves that they had in the dark about having been emancipated, kept in chains another two months 
so that they could get the last ounce of crop out of them. Okay? Yeah, that's just wonderful. It's a national holiday, June 19th. Another day the mail doesn't get delivered, the troops don't train. And June 19th, or for those of us who can't pronounce June 19th, it's Juneteenth. Or, like I said, George Floyd Day, Juneteenth, right up there with Kwanzaa. I'm afraid this will be the real Independence Day for the People's Republic of the Blue States of America, with a K. But I doubt they'll keep America in the name. This is how you split a country wide open. It's a disgrace that so many Republican legislatures felt they had to fall in line with this. I actually called into the Gruber show yesterday. I wasn't on air, but I got Alex, the call screener, to ask the host, who was not Steve Gruber, as a fill-in, to ask Tim Walgreen, a Wahlberg, why did you support this? And it was kind of sad, the answer. So, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there about history. And part of the mission of this show is to examine our history and its effect on our heritage and culture. So the left takes our history and twists it. By the way, is there going to be a mattress sale on Juneteenth? I'm just wondering if we're going to have mattress sales. So um, Father's Day is tomorrow. That's the polar opposite of George Floyd Day. If there had been a father figure in George Floyd's life, we wouldn't be celebrating St. George Floyd. So happy Father's Day. And remember our forefathers on this day is also the ones who delivered us this country. You know, a lot of our dads, especially us older guys, a lot of our dads fought for this country. And my dad was at Normandy and at, at the Bulge at Bastion. You know, I honor him by doing the same, fighting for this country. You know, we've got to, there are people who died to deliver our Republican form of government to us. And I don't mean by a party, I mean by the form of government. So we don't have mob rule, so that we have elected representation, we have a constitution that we're supposed to follow. You know, people died to deliver that to us. It's the least we can do to fight to keep it, okay? So uh, I don't recommend an insurrection. You know, we got to figure out what we've got to do to resist what's happening in our government. But, you know, an insurrection is where you overthrow the government by force. That's not a good thing to do <laughs> by any means. Uh, you probably won't win. You'll probably end up in chains. But I will say, prepare yourself for your response for when the government comes after you. Because if you resist, the government may well come after you. Right now, they're trying to force an injection into your body just to demonstrate their power over you, force you to use words or accept behavior that is abhorrent to you. You know, you're supposed to act a certain way and like it, just like Winston, the character in 1984. You know, at the end, he's supposed to not only think or say two plus two equals five, he's supposed to believe it. And, you know, that's the facts that you know. You know, masks are, are you know, masks, you know masks are useless. If you're following this at all, you know that the shot is killing thousands and injuring more. You know all these things and you get government propaganda coming at you and telling you, get the shot, be an American, be, you know, all these things. And it's really cool to get the shot. And people are getting blood clots on their lungs and they're getting uh, uh, Bell's palsy, you know, not everybody. I know lots of people have gotten the shot and they've only gotten really sick for a while. That's just, you know, great. Get a shot, make you really sick for a while. They didn't die yet. I hope they don't. I really do. But there are people who are. And I'm not going to put that revolver to my head, and spin the cylinder and pull the trigger and hope it doesn't go bang. So there you go. 
So let me uh, let me say this again. The views and opinions of Ed Bondarenka are not necessarily those of his guests. Because I don't want to drive Dave away from coming on this show by being associated with me. <laughs> he's he's a real font of information. And not only that, he's a he is a freedom fighter, folks. Him and and uh um the uh Great Lakes Justice Center, uh Salt and Light Global. These are these are organizations that are fighting for our rights and our freedoms, and we need to support them. That's thousand T H O U S A N D, and we'll find out where you mail that check to shortly. Or you go right online and you know have a deposit taken right out of your uh, checkbook, and you won't even notice it. Just like your payroll taxes, you know. So, uh, Dave, welcome to the show. After all that, how you doing? <laughs> good, 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 good. Pretty good. So we had talked a couple weeks ago, and during the course of the conversation, there were certain things that you said, you know, we could we could talk about that at length following up because we were running out of time. And one of those was, uh, as I recall, uh, what to do in the event of civil disobedience. And there's also some other things that have come up, and I've had some people question some of the things that you have said when they listen to the podcast or listen to the broadcast and they got back with me. And they wanted some clarification on some of this. And when they asked me, I realized I wanted some clarification on some of this. One thing I like to do, and you know, it seems like I'm talking a lot. I'll try and cut this off. One of the things I like to do, though, is ask the questions that I think other people want to ask and don't have the opportunity. I used to be that guy in class who'd ask the question that I thought nobody else was willing to ask. And then then you'd hear everybody else go, oh, thank God somebody asked that. So... We mentioned uh, HIPAA, okay? And one of the questions was, as, as we are the keepers of our own medical records, then how can we be asked to divulge medical our medical records? How can we be forced to show a vaccination passport if if indeed we'd be divulging stuff that we don't want to. I'm, there's so many ways around this. I'm thinking of Roe v. Wade and the right to privacy. You know, I mean, there's there's uh, uh, one friend of mine pointed out uh, that HIV people in California couldn't be forced to talk about whether they had HIV or not because nobody wanted to shame them. And yet we're seeing shaming of people. What? You didn't get the shot? What's the matter with you? You know, like I said, I think I might have said it last week. My wife got accosted in Myers for not wearing a mask. And boy, did she give it to the guy back. And I was proud of her. Mm-hmm. So, Dave, what, what is your response to any of that? Let's put it that way. I know it was a shotgun question, but go for it. Hey, no problem. Well, again, HIPAA is a law dealing with privacy. You know, your rights for your medical records and for organizations that have your medical records, um, that they're not allowed to divulge certain information without your permission. So whether that's a government agency or um, medical, you know, uh, doctor's offices, whoever, that they have to get a release from you or, or approval from you before information can be divulged to somebody else. So. I hope you see that's not the same thing as them asking you a question. Okay. And this is where you get into a gray area. 
and can a pri- for example, there's a big difference, I think, between the government asking you. So this is why you're seeing Governor Whitmer and other governors around the country not requiring vaccines, not re- doing vaccine passports, other than, I guess, the crazy guy out in California. But most of them are not doing it because they understand the constitutional limitations that that would come to bear. But a private business is not under those limitations. And so that's where you start getting into, I, I'm not agreeing that I think it's, that it's a good thing for a business to you know, ask that information or require. I mean, we, we've gotten so many calls just in the last week from people. Um, I'm being told if I don't get the vaccine, I'm fired. You know, I'm out of here. And what can I really do? Well, you have much more limited options because again, Michigan is an at-will state. So I'm not, understand I'm making these comments in the context of, uh, you know, not agreeing with them, but just, you know, letting you know the legal lay of the land, that's all. Good, Good. we can be friends. So what can you do? So I get these calls, you know, what can I do if I'm being told I'm gonna get fired unless I have the vaccine or, uh, or unless I give proof that I've had the vaccine, things like that. Well, again, constitutional issues do not come into play if it's a private business. So what are some other avenues? Well, there is a thing called the Elliott Larson Civil Rights Act. And a company, uh, an employer cannot discriminate on the basis of your religious belief, your age, things like that. Um, if you can tie in this request for the vaccine or whatever to age or religion or some sort of discriminatory category, then that could be a potential way to fight it. Another way would be if you have an employment contract. Um, another way would be your employee handbook or manual. Is there something in there that maybe gives you some rights? But in Michigan, generally, the law is all employees are at will, which means you could be fired for no reason. They don't have to have a reason. You, you nice. can just be fired. So there are not a lot of protections here for folks. Um, but if you do have a religious objection, you could make an argument or you have a medical condition, you know, the ADA might apply. I mean, it's those sorts of things, but that's not across the board for everybody. And if you just have an objection, just cause you object, you may not have any recourse or protection legally. <clears throat> there may be other recourse through the market, media, picketing, you know, doing all kinds of things against businesses like that, who take these draconian approaches, you, you may have those sorts of uh, remedies to go after them, but it's not the same as being able to go to court and say, judge, rule my way, tell, the, tell this employer he can't fire me. Uh, there, there are no guarantees you're going to win a case like that. Okay, well, there's two things. One, you mentioned the Elliott Larson Protection Act, and I'm not a lawyer. You know that. That's why you're here. But what I've read about it before that basically says that the employer has to make some accommodations for your religious belief. And right. if they can't, too bad. Is that right? So right. like, okay, you won't get the shot. You got to work from home. But how do right. I, how do I, or, or, uh, or, see you from home? or you have to wear a mask or yeah. you have to get tested once a week to prove you don't have COVID. They could do it require those sorts of things. And that's accommodating your religious beliefs. So that's why I say to people, you know, that you may not get a result you like, you know, on this sort of thing. But those are ways to challenge it. Okay, then on the flip side, once again, 
and I'm sure somebody else is thinking the same thing because it occurred to me. And oh, folks, 722. Okay, sorry. Let's try start all over again. 734-822-1600. Okay, 734-822-1600. So we talked about HIPAA and, you know, I, I understand where you're coming from, but there are privacy concerns here. Like I mentioned, the, uh, the Roe issue. I mean, if you have a right to privacy that says you can kill your baby, shouldn't you have a right to privacy that says, no, I don't have to tell you this because it has nothing to do with uh, uh, certification, like to be a pilot. You have to have a physical to be a pilot. And that's part of the FAA for that matter, where there are certain things where you have to show that you're drug free, you know, take a drug test because you're going to be operating uh, over the road equipment or something. I, I, there's things that we understand for the protection of society. And right. yet when it comes to just general employment, I, I just wonder about that. Is there, there are no recourse there that why are you forced to divulge details about your medical condition? That's, that's the crux of it. Well, again, I, I'm not agreeing with these employers that are doing it, but if they do, under our law in Michigan, if you choose not to comply, oh, yeah, I forgot. You know, I, you know, then they they can fire you. You can leave. You can. I mean, there aren't great options. You've been working at a place for 20 years, and you're trying to vest a pension, and you know that sort of thing. And now all of a sudden, you're losing it because of these, you know, draconian requirements. You know, but look, Roe Ro v. Wade, again, it's a constitutional principle. I don't agree with Roe v. Wade. I don't think there is such a thing as right to privacy under the Constitution. But our Supreme Court has said there is such a thing. But it applies to government intervention, government action to make you get an abortion or not get an abortion or be allowed to do it, that sort of thing. Private businesses, you don't have a right to privacy per se, with a private business like you do against government interference, if you see the difference. Yeah. Do you do employment law? I would assume you do. Do you do it? Yeah, I, it's not our specialty, but I, sure, I've done a number of cases over the year, terminations, uh, you know, employment cases, absolutely. Both As sides, manager, both for employers and for employees, yeah. yeah. As a manager, I've, I've had to let people go for, for cause. But yep. I've always been told by the employer, yeah, we're, oh, I love this line. When you hire in someplace and they tell you, we're an at-will employer. That means right. we can fire you at any time. But the flip side is you can quit any time. Like right. that was not an option. You know what I mean? Like, right. oh, I never right. thought of that. Yeah. But yeah. back to uh, uh, the, um, oh, my goodness. The at-will, I've had it explained to me by, you know, my bosses in HR, well, you know, just because it's that well, there's a lot more to it than that. And so it always gave me the impression that there are a lot of concerns before they let you go on at will. Just a yeah, yeah. flat, flat again, fire. Again, if there's, if some, there's some kind of condition, condition or if there's, or some, if there's some medical condition and they're violating the ADA or if they're violating, um, you know, some other religious right that somebody may have and be protected under Elliot Larson, those sorts of things. Yeah, I'm not saying it's absolute. Uh, but it's a lot more broad than than uh, people think, you know, that you have to fall into one of those narrow categories in order to fight it. That's the problem. Okay. Well, I think we've kind of talked that one to death. Uh, unless, folks, if you have a question or an angle, once again, seven, eight, through, oh my goodness, seven, three, four, eight, two, two, sixteen hundred. Lack of sleep, seven, three, four, eight, two, two, sixteen hundred. And, uh, 
give us a call once again. I'm with David Coleman. Uh, he's he's a a hero at legal work. He was uh, Carl Mankey's is Carl Mankey's lawyer. He's uh, fighting for the people uh, with all three organizations that he's involved in. So, uh, like I said, feel free to give a call. So, uh, unfortunately, since the last time we talked, OSHA changed their mind about um, employer liability if they force you to get the shot as a means of employment and then you get the shot and you get sick, you cannot go after the employer now. OSHA decided to flip its mind, which is like, I don't know how they get to do that. You know, it's like the ATF saying this is a legal gun. Oh, wait a minute. Wait, 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 we were wrong. It's not a legal gun, mm-hmm. you know, by bureaucracy instead of by law, which is another whole show in itself. Right. So, so let's see now. We have a, about a minute. So I hate to launch into something. I keep seeing Derek go to the phones. I'm wondering who's calling. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, remember you bring up the issue of these agencies and changing their minds and policies and things like that. People should be aware again, just because an agency says something doesn't mean it's the law. The only thing that's the law is the Constitution state statutes passed by, you know, legislatures or Congress, federal statutes. And the third category are administrative rules. And they have a whole process the agency has to go through and public comment, you know, putting them out there for everybody to see. And they have a process they have to go through. And there is some oversight from the legislative bodies. So administrative rules are binding law. But agencies have this whole morass of regulations They call them policies, they call them guidelines, they call them all kinds of things, interpretive statements, things like that. Those are not the law. And those policies are binding on the agency, but they're not binding on you or I as private citizens. So the first thing you should always ask if you have an agency telling you the law says you have to do something, is ask them to specifically tell you what state statute or what administrative rule or what federal law are they relying on and then go look it up because I can tell you a lot of times it's not the law. It's not, you know, any administrative rule that actually went through the process. It's just some policy they've done for a few decades. In the education field, they, the, the Department of Ed here in Michigan was following a policy that they had had in place for 75 years. And yet, and nobody had ever challenged it. And then I came along and some other attorneys and we challenged them and we won every single time in court. Once the judges found out, well, wait a minute, this is not a rule. This isn't a statute. You can't enforce this on these people. We won every single time. So always keep that in mind with these agencies. Make sure that what they're telling you is the law is actually the law, because a lot of times it is not. Okay. And I'll go back to the, can an employer force you to get the shot? No, it's at will state. Like I said, you can quit. You don't yeah, have to take yeah. the not shot. Not a great choice. Not yeah. a great choice, but but there's the choice. All I can say is make yourself such a critical employee that they don't want you to quit. <laughs> All I can say there. Right, so right. Uh, Tim from Milford's on the phone, and we are not going to take Tim's call until after the break because we've got about 15 seconds left. I think the music might be playing. Is that right, Derek? No, it's not. <laughs> I'm wrong again. So <laughs> I forgot to set my timer. So, um, oh, yeah, it starts in about two seconds. So, folks, the music started now. You can hear it. I can never hear the music, so I have to guess. And uh, we're with David Coleman, and um, 
please join us after the break and we'll have more of this discussion. Like I said, feel free to call in. Join Tim. He's a caller. Thank you. Turn up the radio. Let freedom ring. Yes. So you're joining us here today on Your American Heritage with David Coleman of Coleman Legal Group. And uh, did I say it right that time, Dave? That's right. <laughs> oh, good. And the Salt and Light uh, Global and uh, also the Great Lakes Justice Center. So we've been talking about, you know, uh, employment law, uh, things that the state is trying to force on us and reactions we might have. And I hope we get to some positive things we can do shortly uh, besides just uh, quitting our jobs to avoid enforcement. But we've got Tim uh, from Milford on the phone right now with a question for David. And once again, if you want to call, and I'm going to make a sound clip for this for the phone number so I don't have to screw this up anymore. It's 734-822-1600. Hi, Tim. Good afternoon, and thank you for taking my call. I appreciate you guys being out there helping the regular layperson understand certain things. That's our job. Well, so what's your question? question is, you've been talking about um, the private sector when it comes to employers and what they can and can't do for the most part with uh, you know, vaccination shots, things that they can and cannot make you do. Is there any difference when it comes to um, municipal government you know, state and local, uh, is with regards to what you guys have already been talking about. Uh, and I'll just go ahead and hang up and listen to the answer. No, don't, don't, don't hang up, please. We may have, we may need clarification. Okay. You sir. Okay. To, okay. Oh, there we go. Good. So Dave, your turn. Yeah, obviously again, if it's a government entity, state, local, federal, municipality, whatever, then of course, now you have, the, the constitutional issues will be brought to bear and you might have a lot better arguments and a lot of other issues that you can get into there because uh, private businesses, you don't have those constitutional issues. And so as far as I know, I've not heard about any government agency, any local city. If I'm wrong, let me know, but I haven't heard about any government entity requiring vaccinations yet in order to keep your job. They may try it, but as far as I know, up to this point, that that's not being done because I think they know with the constitutional issues, they have a much better chance of losing that kind of a lawsuit. Is this the kind of case that the Great Lakes Justice Center would take should it come up and would we have standing? That's a big question. 
Yeah, again, it depends on the issues. Great Lakes Justice Center, you know, deals with First Amendment, free speech, freedom of religion, um, you know, other constitutional issues, Second Amendment, things like that. So if your basis for not wanting the vaccine is not one of those issues, I'm not sure we would do it under Great Lakes. Uh, but we would certainly look at it through Common Legal Group, through our law firm, and look at representing somebody along those lines. So either way, you know, we would look at uh, trying to help somebody in that situation for sure. Could you make a claim that your religious beliefs say, I don't want to meet Jesus early, so I'm not going to take the chance with this shot? <laughs> I've not heard that uh, religious belief uh, put, expounded yet, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I'm not sure that's really going to be the basis. It has to be based on, uh, you know, a sincerely held religious belief that, um, you know, the, your body's the temple of the Lord. You know, I mean, there's a lot of different things that you can can base it on. And uh, it, it has to be along those lines. And the beauty of it is, is the government doesn't have the right or, or a private business, if you're arguing it under Elliot Larson, they can't argue that your religious belief isn't um, well-founded or grounded. In other words, you don't have to have your pastor agreeing with you or a denomination agreeing with you. Your religious belief is your religious belief. And as long as it's not dealing with tinfoil hats, you know, I mean, the, the court will pretty much accept your religious belief at face value. Then the issue becomes, well, what do they have to do? If they can't fire you for that reason, then they have to give a reasonable accommodation. And that's where you could still get into issues you might not like, because what if they tell you, okay, we'll accommodate your belief, but you have to wear a mask all the time at work, um, or you have to get tested twice a week or whatever, that now they're accommodating your religious belief. And if you don't like that, you're still in the same boat, then what are you going to do? You know? Okay, Tim, did that answer your question? Yes, it sure did. It, and, uh, you know, I can talk to Mr. Coleman off the air um, in his private business to mm -hmm. just give him a heads up as to where what my employer is doing. It's not terrible, but um, they're, they're pushing the line. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm seeing that all over the place. Care to expound? I haven't seen it yet, so I, I don't know. I'm... I'd be interested in that. Uh, do you care to expound on that, Tim, quickly? No. Okay, don't blame you. <laughs> All right, that was Joe from Wyandotte, not Tim from. <laughs> All right, great. Thanks for calling, Tim. I appreciate it. Thank you. We've got Tom from Detroit on the phone with a comment about religious exemption. Hi, Tom. Hi. Uh, Hi. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, you know, on the uh, Federal Food, uh, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, uh, uh, Title 21 at uh, Section uh, 321, you know, that a mask is a, uh, it looks to be a, a medical device. They have the, the term device uh, defined at, at uh, it's uh, Part H, small h, and they have drug defined at Part uh, G, small g. Um, it says in here, um, intended for the use in the diagnosis of disease or other conditions or in the cure, mitigation, treatment, or prevention of disease in man or other animals. Okay, in man or other animals, 
I'm not an animal. In Genesis, uh, you know, two places in the book of Genesis, it says man's created in the image of God. It's completely different from animals. And here, apparently, drugs and medical devices are for animals because, you know, I mean, they define man as an animal right in the uh, federal act here. So, you know, does a private employer have have uh, authority to uh, require somebody to use a drug or a medical device? That's the question, right? That yeah. Does I mean, it seems clear, you know, that a man is created in the image of God, if you're a Bible believer. Well, you know, my point is, and maybe Dave will say the same, but I'm a disciple of Dave in all things legal. And I think I'm getting the impression from uh, at-will employment is that uh, if they ask you to walk around on one leg and use a crutch on the other, even if you don't need to, if you don't want to work there doing that, then... (laughs) You can well, quit. I mean, you know, a crutch a crutch would be a medical device, but I don't know if walking around on one leg would be. You know, right, and then then if yeah. if you were the only one they were making walk around on one leg, it seems like you know, uh, what why why were they causing you to do that? Why and nobody else? I mean, because you know they didn't like your religion, so they said, "Well, we'll tell this guy to to walk around on one leg." Good question. Let's see what Dave has to say. Thanks, Tom. Okay. Well, again, it's it's. I'd have to check in. I've never looked at that particular law that the caller was just uh, talking about. I've made a note of it here. I'll take a look at it. But, I, you know, you have to remember many of these laws have uh, limits. Like they only apply to employers that have 50 or more employees or 100 or more employees or 15 or more employees. There are a lot of times... They put these limits um, on these laws, and if you work at a place that only has five employees or ten employees, that law may not apply at all. So you have to look at those types of issues, too, to see whether or not all the requirements uh, are met for that law to apply to a particular employer first. Okay, great. Dave, while I've got you on the phone, I wanted to ask you a question. It came up recently that uh, Attorney General uh, Nessel put out an email, or had issued an email that's been discovered that basically said that she was targeting uh, Marlena Pavlos uh, Hackney and her business because she was going to go on Tucker. It became, oh, she became aware that she was going to go on Tucker Carlson's show. And it seems like she went after, I mean, she basically said it. She was going after and then sent state police all the way to her municipality, I think it's Holland, to take her back to Lansing to keep her from Tucker's show, it seemed. Is that malicious prosecution? Well, it's not malicious prosecution because she wasn't prosecuting her for anything. There was already a case pending. And unfortunately, a bench warrant for her arrest had been issued by the judge in Lansing. So it wasn't Dana Nessel prosecuting anything. The judge had issued a bench warrant. Now, I'll say this, though. That's highly unusual uh, activity for the attorney general herself to be involved and say, go pick this person up in order to stop them from speaking. While that may not technically be be illegal because of the bench warrant, they had a right to pick her up. uh, It's still highly offensive. It's it, it is a total 
uh, abuse of power in my mind. Uh, I mean, it's it's violating that uh, lady's right to speak and to be heard. Now, as I understand it, she did eventually. She did go on the show on Tucker Carlson's show. They didn't get her before the show, but just the fact that they were talking about it and trying to do it is really quite chilling. Um, you know, I, I mean, so all they got to do is bring some you know administrative case against somebody, get a judge to issue a warrant, and they can stop you from speaking. They can throw you in jail and try to you know you know cover your mouth so you can't speak. I mean, that's. That, that that's like Russia. That's like China. I mean, we don't you know we don't do that here. I oh, guess yes, until, until now, until yeah. now. So I mean, it's it's outrageous. But if you're asking me, is it technically illegal? Probably not, because there was a bench warrant for her arrest. It it actually reminds me as you were speaking. I was reminded of the <clears throat> insurrectionists in Washington D.C. Uh, who were, you know, I mean, there's been a national manhunt out for these people and they've been brought back to jails in D.C. And it's been a few months of these people are still in jail for what's technically trespassing. Right. And, right. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. that's part of an That's an affront. That's an affront ridiculous. to it's Yeah, it's ridiculous. And I don't know what's going on with their lawyers or what challenges are being you know, brought uh, there seems to be a media blackout on all of this. Uh, I know if we were representing anybody, you know, brought that was charged like that, I'd be bringing a writ of habeas corpus in federal court and demanding their release. I mean, they're already being held for a longer period of time than you could be sentenced to for a simple trespassing. I mean, the, the typical sentence is only a few months. So this is, again, it's a heavy handed abuse of power and using the you know, these obscure, you know, minor offenses to go overboard uh, against these people is is really, it's almost breathtaking to see what the federal government is doing and what some state governments are doing to clamp down on people. Um, and, and frankly, we've been seeing that for the last year. And that's what all these battles and all these cases we've been involved in, that's what we're fighting. It's not that there isn't a virus out there. There's not that people shouldn't use common sense and use make their own decisions and be careful. But that doesn't give the government the right to just throw out all our constitutional rights and trample on them uh, in the name of safety for everybody. That's that, that's a recipe for disaster. And that's what we've been fighting for the last year. And um, I know we're kind of running, we've only got a few minutes left here. I did want to touch base, Ed, if you've got some time to talk yep. about that um, Catholic Social Services case that the Supreme Thank Court you. On, it's on, um, it's on the list. I mean, it's on week, the I mean, yeah, that, you know, it's been touted as a great uh, decision. And of course it is. I mean, the Supreme Court ruled nine to nothing um, that the city of Philadelphia could not enforce requirements on Catholic Social Services and how they picked foster care parents or adoptive parents and things like that. But I think there's a couple of things people need to be aware of. Some things that the court did not do, and, and I think to a certain extent, this is kind of a limited case. It's still a really good decision, obviously. It's, it's helpful for religious liberty. But if people remember the Smith case uh, back almost 30 years ago now, the peyote case. And <laughs> the, Funny, because you... We Justice, were talking about 
religious rites, and I was thinking peyote. Go That's ahead. Not, my first thought is always about peyote, if you're talking religious rites. But <laughs> now, seriously, that's the case where Justice Scalia wrote the opinion saying that if there's a law that's being applied even-handedly and being applied generally in a neutral way to everyone, even though it adversely affects your religious rights, they can still do it. And that's been a case that's been a thorn in the side of religious freedom for the last 30 years. And it was Justice Scalia that wrote it. And um, these, this generally applicable law standard. Because if that's the case, it's a general law, then you no longer have strict scrutiny, which means under constitutional law, you have the right to the highest level of, of the court review. And that's where you, you have a good chance of winning if the court applies what we call strict scrutiny to a case. But the Smith case said, no, you don't have to apply strict scrutiny. You can apply a rational basis which is the lowest standard, and which means the government wins almost every single time and your religious rights get trampled on. The Supreme Court in the case this week did not overturn Smith and did not change it. And so that's a negative. They basically dodged it. They just said, well, we're not gonna decide it right now. I'm not following how that works again. Maybe you could explain it. Maybe I'm yeah, the only if, not following. Yeah, so if the government passes a law that's generally applicable to everybody, Okay, no matter your religious beliefs, non-religious beliefs, anything else, it's just a rule of general applicability. Then the Smith case says, well, you can't, you're not going to have much of a chance to overturn it as applied to you if you have a religious objection to such a law, because it's it generally applies to everybody, and so we're not going to give you the religious protections that we would give you in other instances. So the Smith case has been a, a like I say, not a good decision. It's been used against people of faith for 30 years. Now, what they did here was they just said, we're not gonna overturn the Smith case. And the reason is, is because in this case with Philadelphia, the agency involved, the Catholic Social Services, um, they were dealing with a law where Philadelphia said, we can grant exceptions to this law that you have to comply with all of our LGBT stuff and everything else. And therefore we're gonna violate your religious beliefs but we can give exceptions. And so the court said, well, this is not a generally applicable law because you gave yourself discretion to give exceptions. Therefore, you get the strict scrutiny and therefore Catholic Social Services, you win because they are violating your religious beliefs under strict scrutiny. So if you can see the difference, you know, it was not a generally applicable law that, like for example, speeding, you know, you drive 70 miles an hour on the highway. That's a rule of general applicability, a law that applies to everybody equally. The cops don't care whether you're Hare Krishna, you know, uh, a Protestant, an atheist or whatever. That's a law of general applicability. And if you tried to argue, I have a First Amendment right to drive 95, you know, do you see how the courts then say, oh, no, you don't you don't get that religious protection there because this is a general law applying equally to everyone. But when you get laws that can be applied differently, and, and the government bodies have discretion to give an exemption to somebody and not give an exemption to somebody else, now it's not a law of general applicability. In other words, if the cop said, yeah, you were driving 90, but I have this exception here that says if I like you and you give me a donut here when I pull you over, I don't have to give you a ticket, okay? That gives them discretion. Now you know that law would not be enforced the same way. Are you saying then that Nobody can use this as precedent? No, 
it, it's precedent in the sense of for this particular kind of law and how it's done. What it doesn't do, though, is it does not overturn the Smith decision. And that's where Alito and Thomas and others were, they wrote concurring decisions, but they were making this point. Hey, we need to take this up and get rid of Smith. We got to get rid of the Smith decision. It's not appropriate. And so the it's still a muddled thing up in the air. One last thing I just want to mention real quick, and this is really important. Uh, we all hear about these discrimination laws we were talking about earlier, Elliot Larson in Michigan. One of the ways, the areas you cannot discriminate are in education, employment, and public accommodations. And public accommodations is pretty broad. If you hold yourself open to the public to come in, I mean, my law office is a public accommodation because clients come in and we invite them in to do work for them. It's a very, you know, so what qualifies as a public accommodation is very broad. The Supreme Court said in this case this week, foster care agencies are not public accommodations. That's huge because that's going to be very helpful if that precedent gets carried out because now states can't use their civil rights laws to attack religious organizations like foster care agencies. I think now by implication, you could say adoption agencies are not a public accommodation. Um, so there are different types of businesses where it might actually provide more protection. So that's the kind of thing you don't hear anybody talking about those issues out of this case this week, but those are a couple things that people need to know. Number one, that Smith decision was not overturned and number, they've sidestepped it. And number two, foster care agencies are not public accommodations. That's huge. Okay, I appreciate you explaining that. I'm going to be listening to this again so that I can see if I can catch it again. We don't have enough time for me to ask you a third time, and I'm not saying you didn't explain it well. I'm saying I didn't sleep well last night. I will say this. I think it's wonderful that right in the middle of Pride Month, we get a ruling like this from Scottis, you know? That's just wonderful. So, um, boy, I'd hope to get into the uh, the Texas uh, uh, not having standing because of Obamacare. I can address it real quick. Real? Texas passed the law about you know we're not we're going to try to avoid firearms regulations and laws and things like that. Look, I, I don't think a state has the authority or the power to avoid a federal law. They don't Wait, have that. I, I like, but what they do have, what they do have, is the right to say I'm not going to enforce it. And if it's like a sanctuary city. If you can have a sanctuary city for illegal aliens coming into our country illegally across the border, well, you can have sanctuary states that say we're not going to enforce certain things. And then it's up to the federal government to try to enforce it and go to federal court. And it's on them. And they don't really have the resources to do that sort of thing nationwide and to go after everybody. So that's, I think, it may be a semantic thing, you know, but states do not have to enforce regulations or things that they don't agree with. Uh, but that doesn't mean the federal government can't still enforce it. Okay, we've got eight states, nine now with Texas, who are already doing this. And they're saying, right. you know, if it's made in the state and it doesn't leave the state, then it doesn't involve the feds at all. But actually what I wanted to get into was the Obamacare issue with Texas. But we have like 20 well, seconds. Well, they sidestepped it based on standing. They didn't rule on the merits of the case. All three times the Supreme Court's had Obamacare in front of it in the last 10 years, they punched, they sidestepped the issue and did not rule. Okay, Dave, 
Thanks for joining us. It's been very interesting for me, I hope for our audience, but uh, it's been very enlightening. I'm seeing texts that say as much. So thank you very much. I look forward to having you back. And uh, folks, you've been listening to Your American Heritage. Please stay tuned for a moment of clarity. Thanks, Derek, for your production. And thanks, Dave, for joining us. Bye. Good to be with you as always, Ed. Thanks. <laughs>